Welcome to the Daily Standard Podcast. I'm Eric Felton. We're joined today by Weekly Standard Editor-in-Chief Stephen Hayes. Steve, how are you? Good. How's it going? Fine. Thank you. Good. So Trump did not respond to Comey in the moment, tweeting away the way it had been expected, but the Trump people had been hoping he wouldn't. Right. Exactly. But over the weekend, the Trump message seems to have started coming out. And uh, what what do you think of uh, of the Trump message as it sort of started to come out over the weekend? Well, it's been sort of incremental, right? I mean, you had you had Donald Trump tweeting, um, taking some shots at James Comey. Um, clearly, Trump and his uh, his team plan to try to attack Comey. And, and the, the main, I think, line of attack is going to be that James Comey is a leaker, that He's a manifestation of these problems that Donald Trump and his team have been talking about all along, that he's, you know, he was a, a leading member of the deep state, that he um, not only has admitted to leaking this this memo, but that he's probably been the source of leaks going back weeks and months against Donald Trump. And um, you've seen this now. You've had pro-Trump columnists write versions of this articles in, in the days since Trump's tweet. And I think we're likely to see a lot more of that. James Comey is sort of the face of leaking, the face of this deep state that can't be trusted. Now, is it going to be relevant, the question whether the material being leaked was Comey's himself or whether it belonged to the federal government? Are we going to see a whole lot of parsing of the fine legal points of possession yeah. of documents? I expect that we will. Andy McCarthy over at National Review has a piece sort of breaking this down, uh, smart as always from Andy McCarthy. Um, and I think that's uh, that's a pretty fruitful line if you're um, making an argument in favor of Donald Trump or defending Donald Trump um, and attacking James Comey. I also think, look, it, it is a legitimate um, line uh, that the Trump folks want to use in, in portraying James Comey as a leaker. I mean, he's admitted to this. Uh, you, you, you know, for, for those of us on the receiving end of leaks, of course, this is sort of routine. I mean, this kind of thing happens all the time. Sometimes it comes through third parties and you go and you validate it and make sure that it's true and accurate. Um, but Comey, for Comey to explain what he did makes him look slightly less like the straightforward guy he's portrayed himself as. Scout's oath and all that exactly, good stuff. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and the, I, I would think that the sort of the weakest point for Comey is having to explain why it is that if he was going to leak this material to the New York Times, he didn't just leak it to the New York Times, that he got it right. cut out and handed it off to a Columbia University professor to then describe to the New York Times, which suggests that Comey had reasons to think that there was something dicey about handing it off what directly. Right. It also suggests that this is not the first time James Comey has leaked something. <laughs> I mean, he knows how to have deniability. If somebody not went to him... rodeo. Yeah, if somebody went to him um, after that memo was characterized in the New York Times or quoted from in the New York Times and said, you know, former director Comey, did you leak this to the New York Times? He could plausibly have said, no, you know, I shared it. If he, if he wanted to explain himself, I shared it with a Columbia law professor. I didn't, in fact, leak it to the New York Times. But that's a little, you know, that's that feels a little greasy. That doesn't right. feel quite right. I think for most people who are, you know, news consumers who aren't paying attention to how this works. But it does, it does suggest that James Comey's got some experience doing this. Right. And it also suggests that should he be giving testimony in the future, that people asking him questions 
need to think very carefully about how they ask the questions so that they don't play into the structure of the deal was made in such a way as to allow you deniability. Right. Exactly right. I was surprised, actually, that Comey didn't get more questions as a follow-up to that admission. I mean, I would have wanted to know had I been on that panel um, and were inclined to want to wanna run run defense for Donald Trump. I would have wanted to know, you know, Director Comey, how many times have you done this in the past? Have, have you been the, resource, the source, either direct or, or indirect, of New York Times articles about these issues in the past? How many times would you suggest that you have been? I mean, that would have been pretty interesting. I expect that if we see James Comey testify in public again, he will get those questions. Now, speaking of people giving testimony in public, tomorrow, much-awaited testimony by Jeff Sessions, which we found out is going to be public testimony. What are you looking for? Well, it'll be interesting. There have been news reports um, going back more than a week and then additional ones over the weekend that there was a third meeting uh, that Jeff Sessions had uh, with Russians. It's not exactly clear from the reporting if that was Sergei Kislyak, whom Sessions has um, been reported to have met before, he's acknowledged having met before, or if it's other Russians. Um, I think there's some lack of clarity on that anyway in the reporting. I think that's going to be the big question. Did did you have a third meeting? Um, if you did, why didn't you um, why didn't you acknowledge that? Why didn't you report that you had done it? And there's you know there are sort of different takes on this. I think the the, the people who defend Jeff Sessions would say, well, look, here's a a long list of all of the ambassadors I've met from all over the world. This is just a few others. How would I? How could I be expected to remember this? Uh, I think others who are more skeptical would say this has been in the news for months. Um, you know, these meetings took place while Russia was in the news, really, as it was sort of burning up um, newscasts. How could you have not remembered this? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how he answers those questions and what kind of specifics he gives. And how much of the testimony is going to be about Trump as opposed to being about Sessions himself? Well, that's a good question. Um, I would think you'd get a mix of both. Uh, on, on the one hand, I mean, you know, th- there's a uh, certainly this is now because it's a, a public hearing, widely anticipated hearing, um, not quite the way that the Comey hearing last Thursday was. But I think people are, you know, it's getting certainly a lot of hype in Washington. Um, but if if it's really about Jeff Sessions and that meeting, uh, that seems to me an answer that we're likely to get pretty early on in the conversation. So I would expect senators, uh, particularly Democrats, to go well beyond Jeff Sessions and that particular meeting and what may or may have been discussed if the meeting, in fact, took place and ask him more about not only Trump and any um, uh, anybody on his team who would have had contacts with the Russians did Session know those things at the time, but also um, Sessions' decision to recuse himself. Um, James Comey testified last Thursday that there were other reasons, facts that he had that he couldn't talk about in, in a public hearing that led him to be pretty confident Jeff Sessions was going to have to recuse himself from any involvement in this Russia investigation. What we've learned so far is that this alleged or potential third meeting was one of those reasons. Were there other reasons? Is there other, are there other facts to know about Jeff Sessions in Russia? I think that will be a line of question that you'll hear from the Democrats. Now, before we have to run here, one, one thing that's a little off the uh, hearing beat, which is this question of the left's 
dislike of Trump has gone so extreme that we saw not only from Kathy Griffin the sort of ISIS-style beheading of Trump, but now we have a production of Julius Caesar, (laughs) Shakespeare in the Park in New York City, where sponsors are bowing out because it is so clearly a sort of assassination fantasy. Mm -hmm. So how far does this go and how far does this color the debate in Washington? I think it goes pretty far. I think we're likely to see many more of these kinds of of, of things than uh, in in the coming months and and years, as long as Donald Trump is president. Because, as you say, I mean, the level of of uh, frustration and anger and vitriol towards Trump is is really sort of unprecedented. I mean, you know, you, you hate to go back to the to the old comparison, but it really is instructive in this case. I mean, think if. Uh, this had been Barack Obama, and there was this assassination fantasy play about Barack Obama. I mean, it would have been it would have dominated the news for weeks. Every single sponsor would have pulled out immediately. Nobody would be defending it. Um, so I think there's you know what Republicans are are likely to point to is is a pretty pretty significant double standard, and I think they're right to do it. Stephen Hayes, editor in chief of the Weekly Standard, thanks for joining us on the Daily Standard podcast. Thanks so much for listening to the Daily Standard podcast. You can get all of our podcasts at weeklystandard.com, or better yet, subscribe at iTunes or Google Play. Go to either of those fine services and search for Weekly Standard. That way you'll never miss any of our podcasts, including the Substandard podcast on Thursdays, the Crystal Clear podcast with Bill Crystal every Friday, and the Confab with me, Eric Felton, every weekend. Catch you next time.